0: Our second reading today comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus." To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel, which will serve as our sermon text, comes from Matthew. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves something. My goodness. As evening approached, The disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O
1: Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So glad to be with you. Uh, Just a little bit of introduction for maybe those who don't yet know me. I think for most, I'm probably a new face. Uh, My name is Pastor Jason actually grew up in Indianapolis and later in Fishers. So uh, these are my roots, but spent a little bit of time uh, the past five years in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, recently then came back home uh, and officially last week joined Cornerstone as the pastor of community engagement primarily at our Indy site but also uh, working with, with uh, both our Fishers and Carmel sites and even even those who are part of our online community, um, working with, with all of the disciples here at Cornerstone to understand how we can live out our faith through service and how we can be involved in those opportunities to serve. So uh, certainly look forward to getting to know you and helping you connect in and live your faith that way as well. But with that, let's, let's get to our message for, uh, for today. We just read this story together, this incredible miracle story of Jesus feeding really a crowd the size of a small town with just one little boy's lunch. Incredible story. You know, I I read this story again after just having read it a few months back uh, during one of my summer vacations uh, this past summer had the opportunity to spend some time on a, on a really cool boat, a, a 40-something-foot double-hulled sailboat and sailing around the Gulf of Mexico. Such a great trip, but uh, as I was there for my, my daily devotions each day, I decided to spend that time reading some of the boat stories of Jesus. And by that, I mean all these instances where Jesus... Uh, he's either uh, going from place to place on a boat or do you, things happen on those boats with his disciples. Maybe he's teaching from it. Turns out Jesus spends also a lot of time on boats. And I was reading some of those stories and, and that's when I noticed something about this one that I'd never noticed before. This is a boat story. We don't normally think about it that way. But sometimes being in a new environment, right, can change the way that we we look at something or change the way that we see it. You probably know that from your own life as well. And so as I was on that boat reading those boat stories, I noticed that this one was was one as well. And I noticed something else that I'd never noticed about that story before. Those crowds of people who come after Jesus when he goes. We mostly read this story, don't we, as, as being about this incredible miracle of feeding this a gigantic crowd with such a small amount of food. And as we're talking today about God's providing for us, certainly feeding people who are hungry is, is one way that God provides for those who are in need, but, but it probably isn't the one that most closely connects with, with most of our lives. An incredible miracle happens, but as we look deeper, we'll see Jesus providing for people long before that moment. And here's why that's important to me. Here's why I'm so excited to share that part that side of the story with you this morning. It's because again, maybe not morning when you're watching. That's a habit for me. I apologize. The reason that's important to me is that that long before an incredible miracle happens in your life, and 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 honestly, maybe it never will, I know there are there are some of you out there watching who do have incredible miracle stories, incredible stories of things happening in your life that could only be attributed to God at work. And that's so amazing. But for most of us, we probably won't see this type of a moment. But what's true for us is that long before that incredible miracle happens, and maybe even if it doesn't, Jesus is at work providing for you. And so as we look at the the bigger picture of this story, as we look at everything happening around it, we see Jesus providing for people's needs in, in at least three ways. Ways that can shed light on what it looks like for him to provide for us. Even if you never see a miracle like this feeding story that we just read. So as we dig into this, Matthew tells us when Jesus heard about what had happened, he withdrew. He went away. And what happened was this. Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist. And for those who don't know, John the Baptist was actually Jesus' cousin. So he's not just hearing about the death of someone he knows or someone he he happens to have crossed paths with. He's hearing about the death of someone he was close to at the hands of a wicked ruler. And so he does what most of us would do. He gets in this boat for some alone time, some time to process that news. And now then he is, he's far away, he's far off from these crowds of people, from all these people who want to see him, who need things from him. Now there's a lake separating them from him. And that made me think of all those times in, in my life when it's felt like Jesus was far away. For me, it's been this season that we've just come through, or maybe in a lot of respects, we're still coming through it. This coronavirus that we've been dealing with and as I said I come came out of Brooklyn and and so you know from your news stories we were hit so hard there and and just seeing death all around and some very close to us and as all that piled up there were moments when it became harder and harder to to feel Jesus there to feel the truth of that promise when he says I'll be with you always we've all been through that and maybe you've experienced some of those same feelings but what I also know is true is that for many of us there are obstacles and challenges in the way, not a lake, but other things, separating you from Jesus and from feeling his love and feeling that provision we're talking about, things that had nothing to do with COVID, things that were in your life long before that started and, and will crop up again after it passes. Things like, like loneliness, after a relationship falls apart or, or a loved one is taken from you, obstacles like anger, desperation when something you badly needed or or wanted doesn't go your way or insecurity when some aspect of your your identity or your self-image is called into question your goals and your dreams what you envision for your life doesn't feel validated by by people around you or maybe it's the barrier of of silence while prayers seemingly go unanswered or just of some distance as you walk through a a dry spell in your faith life and wondering why things just don't feel the same as they used to. All of us at at different times for different reasons have these moments, these moments of feeling like Jesus is far away and, and, and wishing that he wasn't. Now here's the thing about that lake that was separating these crowds of people from Jesus, that obstacle between them and him. It was about eight miles across. It's the Sea of Galilee that we're talking about, about eight miles from one side to the other. And so what that means is to get to Jesus and his provision for them meant an eight-mile walk. I've done a lot of hiking. That's a long hike. It wouldn't have been easy. It wouldn't have been quick for sure. And a story about an eight-mile walk might not look like it has much hope for us. But what it shows us is that a long journey isn't a bad one. A long journey doesn't mean you're doing it wrong or, or God isn't listening or it's all pointless. It shows us the way back will sometimes be long. The way back to Jesus and his love and feeling that promise and feeling that provision, it might sometimes be a long way and that's normal. It might take a long time to get what you need or to, to fix a relationship, to bring some stability back to your life when it's been turned upside down or, or even just to feel Jesus in, in the midst of that struggle. And maybe for you as you're watching, it may already have been a long time and you're tired and you're worn down and you're starting to wonder how much longer you can go on and whether there even is anything on the other side of this, whether there actually is a light at the end of that tunnel. I don't know why it's that way. I wish sometimes it wasn't. But if that's where you find yourself, let me say this. Let me encourage you with these thoughts. I don't know why. It's like that. I only know God's timing is different from mine. But he has promised to be with you until the very end. He backed that up by sending his son, and he won't give up on that now. No matter how dark or bleak things might look, he gives you the incredible gift of his presence and some really great, incredible ways to feel that presence. He gives you his spirit in your baptism, his word in the Bible, He gives you fellow brothers and sisters to speak and act his care into your life. And so if it's starting to feel for you like it's taking a long time to overcome the obstacles in your life or or get around the barriers to feel Jesus' presence again, don't give up. Hang in there. I'm really sorry that's happening to you, but hang in there. A long journey is normal and a long journey is worth it. It's worth it because we can see it right here, right? Why it's worth it. Because at the end of that eight miles, at the end of that long, difficult walk, here's Jesus ready to heal, ready to love, ready to meet their needs. Jesus provides for you even when it feels like he's far away. We'll come back to that in a moment, but but first a quick note about making that journey toward Jesus if if something is separating you from him. Matthew writes it this way. He says, when the crowds heard of it, they went on foot. And the word I want to focus on there is they. When the crowds heard of it, they went. Right? In other words, these people don't go alone. Jesus never sends people alone. That parable, that story he tells of, of the, ni- the 99 sheep who are safe and sound on the hillside, but, but leaving all of those to go find the one who isn't. That's a great example. Jesus never sins people alone, because when we're alone, we're vulnerable. One of Jesus' other followers, close followers, Peter, writes it like this in a letter that we have in our New Testament, known as 1 Peter. He writes, your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. And do you know how a lion captures its prey? It gets that prey separated from the herd, right? It gets it alone and vulnerable. When we're alone, we're vulnerable to the secret temptations that you wouldn't want anybody else to know about, to those doubts and fears and questions swirling in your own mind. All those things, all those tools that the devil uses to get you alone, to drag you away and make you vulnerable. And so the question for this morning, again, (laughs) who will go with you? Who will go with you? Who is in your life who you can ask to walk with you through difficult days so you don't fall victim to the devil's attacks? And to help you work toward an answer to that question, let's ask another one. Whenever Jesus sends out followers, who does he always send with them? We have a great example in Luke chapter 10, the first verse. Luke writes, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He appointed, he chose, he picked out 72 and he sent them not by themselves, but two by two. Jesus always sends another disciple, another follower. And so if you're going to walk safely through to the other side of, of whatever it is that's separating you from Jesus and his love, you need a partner. A partner who understands the enemy in the same way you do, who's able and willing to call and recognize a spiritual attack for what it is, not to call it something else, but to recognize the work of the devil and the devil's attacks for what they are. Who understands, like you do, how to fight against them and how to support you in that fight. You need another another disciple. Find yourself a traveling partner, in other words. And be a traveling partner for someone else. You don't have to be wise, or know a lot of theology, or know your Bible backwards and forwards. You don't even have to be great friends with that person. Just a Jesus follower, willing to use what you know and the tools that he gave you to be supportive against the devil's attacks. That's all it takes. So find yourself a traveling partner, be a traveling partner for others. And by the way, that's why it's so important for us as as disciples here at Cornerstone to to take advantage of of gathering together, whether it's in person at one of our sites or whether you're part of our online community, to take advantage of gathering together and of all those opportunities that are before us in Bible studies and small groups, not, not just to be fed and nourished by God's Word, but also. have the the advantage of of fellowship and and time together and strength through other believers. And so if you're watching, I encourage you to visit our website and to understand and and take a look at how you can be involved in all those other opportunities. There's so much there for you. All right, back then to our conversation about uh, Jesus providing even in the midst of difficult moments. As Matthew writes it here, this, this crowd followed Jesus, right? Followed him on foot. We talked about that. Followed him even though he was trying to get away, trying to have some time to himself to grieve the loss of his cousin and to begin to heal from that very natural human thing that we all do. And Jesus just wants to be able to grieve. Here comes this crowd though. And yet even in, in the midst of that, as Jesus is trying to have this time to himself, Matthew records it this way. He says, when he saw them, he healed them. When he saw them, he healed them. And I mentioned this part because I, I think sometimes we get the idea that maybe, maybe God's tired of hearing from us, or or, or I'm asking for too many things, or, or the same thing too many times. Like like maybe I need to start opening my prayers with you know me again, God. Sorry to bother you. We just finished walking through the letter to the Paul's letter to the Philippians. In the book of Philippians, and two weeks ago, we finished up with chapter 4, and in there we read these words where Paul writes, in everything, by prayer and petition, make your request before God. And he doesn't say in some things, or a few times, or within reason do that. He says in everything, everything. And Paul can write that because he knows this about Jesus. Nothing stands in the way of his love for you. Nothing stands in the way of his love for you. That's what, that's what we're seeing in this moment of Jesus healing this crowd, even through his pain. But also, I think we, it's why you see Jesus, as you read through your Bible, uh, doing some strange things sometimes. Things like seemingly ignoring a pleading woman at first, or, or aiming to go by the disciples while the storm is sinking their boat. He does those things, I think, to, to demonstrate that whatever it might look like, as remote as he might look or feel, nothing stands in the way of his love for you. Here's Jesus then in in this moment of pain, grief, probably some anger, still ready with healing. And what that shows us is you're never going to catch him on a bad day. Here at his worst day, there he is, right? You're never going to catch him on a bad day. He's he's not going to be too busy or too tired for you. Jesus provides even in his hardest moment. This is the same Jesus, just if we need to see this from another angle, right? This is the same Jesus who prays in the garden of Gethsemane as he's awaiting the arrival of, of his executioners. He prays for himself a little bit, but uh, if you were to turn there in your Bible, it starts in, around in the book of John, around chapter 16. If you were to turn there, you'd see that he does pray himself for himself a little bit, but, but then pages and pages for he prays for you and for me and for his church. The same Jesus as Roman soldiers are nailing his, uh, his hands to a tree to hang him there. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He has those guys on his mind. No matter how great the pain, no matter how hard the struggle, he has you on his mind. Jesus stands ready to listen when you call out, to meet you with his healing touch. Final point as we wrap up our time together, and it's this Jesus provides when they come to him with nothing. This is so beautiful. Matthew says, they came to him carrying their sick. In other words, they came empty-handed with nothing but sick people. And then it says, Jesus had compassion on them. The word there for compassion, the Greek word is splangizomai. It's one of the only Greek words you'll ever hear me say in a sermon. And I say it just because it's so much fun to say. Uh, It's a word, though, that's related to the guts, to a stirring in the belly and to get an idea of what that's about, I invite you to think about a time in your life when you, when you felt such a deep welling up of, of love and care that it moved you in the insides. Maybe it was on your wedding day or the day that your child was born and holding that newborn child for the first time. Maybe it was walking that child down the aisle for her wedding. Whatever that moment that you're thinking of That's the feeling, that thing that you're feeling now. That's the feeling Jesus felt when these people came to him with nothing but their sick and broken neighbors. And yet he feels that deep care, that deep concern for them, even though they have nothing but needs. And that's because Jesus' deep care for these people is not rooted in what they have or what they can bring him, what they can do for him. We all know people like that, don't we? People who operate that way. But Jesus does not operate that way. His love is based only on who they are. Children of God, created in his image, broken but made new again and welcomed into his family. And now here's where it gets really fun. Now think about this. That deep love and that that deep care that you're thinking about, that thing that Jesus felt for those people, that's what he feels for you. That's what he feels for you came across a painting recently. And there's lots of versions of it. I encourage you to, to look it up. It's a painting called First Day in Heaven. And when you look at it, you'll see that it, it's Jesus and, and some other person. Again, lots of different versions. But Jesus and this person locked in this deep, passionate, loving, joyful, warm embrace. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you. Even if you show up to him with, with nothing to offer, with nothing but needs. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you. It's okay to come to him with nothing because he cares for you. And he cares for you not because you have your life together or, or you know all the right answers or, or because of what you can offer him, but simply because you're his. And that's enough for him. And it's enough for you. So he'll be there. He'll be there even if you show up ragged and tired and empty. If that journey and those obstacles have have absolutely drained you, he'll be there with arms wide open to do for you exactly what he does for these people, to soothe your hurts, strengthen your weak spots, and feed you again for the journey ahead. And even though we haven't been able to take part in it as much recently, we know that that Jesus does invite you week after week, ragged and tired and close to fainting as you might be. He invites you week after week, in spite of all those obstacles you faced and the, the number they've done on you, to sit at his table with arms empty and open to receive, to receive his body and his blood given and shed for you, to build you up again once more. To strengthen you for the journey ahead until that moment when you reach the end of the road safely in his kingdom, until that moment when that warm, joyful embrace, that first day in heaven feeling is your moment. And so if, if Jesus feels far off to you right now, far away from your needs and, and, and your concerns, let me leave you with this encouragement. Find a travel companion, right? Don't try to go this alone because the devil will get you. But find a a travel companion to walk through the obstacles with you. And even if you come empty-handed, Jesus will be there with compassion, with that deep, gut-stirring love for you to fill you up again. In his name, amen.